Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the show. Glad you're with us today. And Indiana last night at Rutgers, just a really, really bad performance. We'll go through it coming up here in just a few minutes. But Xavier Johnson, a lackluster performance. He gets ejected from the game on a a flagrant two. Um, Hard to understand this Indiana team, that is for sure. And I saw that with the loss last night, Indiana now number 103 in the net rankings, which are the new RPI of today's college basketball, which I know it's still early January. We're not yet to the middle of the month yet, but the play is zooming by and opportunities for Indiana in this Big Ten conference have been missed here early. Uh, So definitely a wild night of college basketball. I thought Indiana's performance was dismal. Nebraska beats Purdue. Houston goes down. Lots of crazy results last night. But for Indiana fans, unfortunately, uh, definitely on the wrong side of a loss at Rutgers. And I watched the game out, so I couldn't hear everything, uh, all the details like normal. But, boy, the arena looked different. The sound was different. Definitely uh, the weather there at New Jersey made that a, a different rack or Jersey Mike's Arena, whatever you want to call it these days, different than the normal raucous environment that that is. Uh, definitely an opportunity miss for Indiana last night. And not just the loss. It's not just the losses in some of these games. It's some of the unbelievable stats and the, just the lack of, I don't know if it's leadership, composure, what word to use to describe it, but definitely concerning moments last night for this Indiana basketball team. Mike Woodson uh, with some uh, group substitutions. Once again, he was asked about that in the post-game press conference. We'll talk about that, but uh, not a good performance, not a good look last night for Indiana as they lose on the road at Rutgers. So we'll get into that coming up here in a bit. We've got a busy show. We've got three guests today. Let's quickly get into the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, we've got a high school basketball coach, Hayden Casey of Christian Academy. An outstanding win last night for his Warriors ball club. They knocked off Silver Creek. Uh, He's going to tell us all about the last second shot and a big victory for his team coming up here in just a few moments. Also later today, Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star checks in. We'll recap last night's performance. We'll talk about Mike Woodson and a little Pacers note we'll get in with Dustin today. Tyrese Halliburton going to be out for at least a couple weeks. Not good news for the Pacers. He has been so fun. 
to watch and follow this season. Uh, but I think it's better than the alternative. When he first went down, uh, it looked bad. Uh, maybe there's a chance he's just out a few weeks or so. We'll get the latest from Dustin Dopirak, but he joins us later in the show. And then it's Wednesday, so Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, he's always with us. We talk the latest in local sports, high school basketball. Uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend with Josh when he's with us. I'm really excited. We've got Floyd Central and Jeffersonville on Friday. That's going to be on one of our sister stations, 970 WGTK, uh, because of Indiana on Friday night. And then on Saturday, we've got Jeffersonville and Providence. Really curious to see that game as well uh, over at Johnson Arena. We'll have that one Saturday night on the Big X. So great weekend of uh, some Jeff basketball, some rivalry basketball here on the Big X. And we'll get ready for those games with Josh Cook coming up later today. That's the lineup a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Why not try Honey Baked Tam in New Albany today for a delicious lunch? They've got tremendous sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Tam in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Uh, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. I know, without question, some of you want to sound off on the game last night. So send those in. I'm curious your takes on what is wrong with this Indiana team. 502-414-1450. And the text line brought to you by Thornton's. Stop in today for a great uh, thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction. All 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents at Thornton's. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today, grab a fountain drink from Thornton's, and send us a text on why you're upset with IU basketball. 502-414-1450 is the number to sound off. Let's get to the phone line. Hayden Casey, coach of Christian Academy. Coach, let me tell you, I was watching the Indiana game. I was on my way home. I got a text that the game was 21-19 Christian Academy at halftime. I was on Grantline Road in New Albany. Why not stop by for some Tuesday night basketball? It didn't take much for my arm to be twisted. So I was there at halftime, got to see the second half. And I told you this last night after the game, but I really think it was one of the most fun Uh, halves of basketball that I have seen uh, the last couple seasons. There were so many big shots back and forth, uh, lead changes, ties, overtime, and then, of course, a major shot we're going to talk about that won it for you guys at the buzzer. But a big win for Christian Academy over Silver Creek last night. I'm sure that you felt like a war even as the coach in that game when it was over with. Well, yeah, Matt, first off, just thanks for having me on. I think you put it really well well there just a second ago with just how good of a game it was, you know, and I imagine just sitting in the stands and taking that one in as a basketball fan, and I don't know if you could ask for much more. You know, as a coach, that's one of those games that uh, you have to go back on film and and make sure you remember all those big moments and big shots and big possessions that you were alluding to. And uh, at the end of the night, we're just very, very thankful that um, we were able to come out on top and secure a big-time win for the program like that. Coach Casey, we got to start off talking about the very end of the ball game. Set the scene up for us. Uh, your junior, Joshua Chansey, 
He had the buzzer beater three from the left wing as time expired in overtime. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think it bounced on the rim three different times before the ball dropped through the net for the uh, game-winning shot. But take us through the scenario, the timeout call, the play you set up, and how it all worked out at the very end of the game. Sure. So we were fortunate to get the ball with .6 left on the clock there and had a timeout and were able to draw something up. And thankfully, uh, at that point, you know, heading into overtime, our, our two studs, Joshua Renfro and David Cook, both juniors for us, um, had 23 apiece and had had huge nights. And we knew most likely any team in that situation would know the ball's most likely going to be coming David or Joshua's way. So kind of had them in a little action occupying hopefully to have some help down on them and give one of our other guys on the floor a chance to knock down an open shot in this case it was joshua chancing the opposite corner so um they did help down on jo- joshua and david and we saw it open up and i think if we watched the video back i kind of run down the sidelines and make sure our inbounder nate doss kind of sees chancy opening the corner and chancy Joshua Chancey has been a great addition for us, and he, he's able to knock him down some in practice. Uh, to be totally honest, I don't know if he's shot a three yet all this year, but we knew at that point we take a wide open look instead of maybe contesting one at the rim. And sure enough, he was able to stand there open in the corner and able to knock it down. So a shot he'll remember for the rest of his life. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, bouncing on the rim like that <laughs> made it made it even. More memorable, uh, the boys right away in the locker room uh, for all the NBA fans out there a few years ago, Kawhi Leonard in Game 7 when he played in Toronto, he had a similar shot uh, against like that uh, to knock out the Sixers. So they were already talking about that and making illusions, and that, that that's a memorable one for sure. I heard that as well. Had to check that out on thanks to YouTube, able to to compare those shots. But Christian Academy, a winner, 59-56, thanks to Chansey's big three at the buzzer in overtime. Coach, your team is 11-1 and as we head into the middle part of January. Last night, Joshua Renfro, who's had an outstanding high school career so far, he had 23 points. Uh, we're used to his big output. We're used to his great shooting. Uh, a player that I had not seen play at the level he did was David Cook. He had 20 points, and he was monstrous for you guys, not just scoring uh, in the second half, which was so competitive, but he also brought a lot of leadership, and I just liked his vocal, um, I don't know. He, he was very much into it. Coach, talk about David Cook last night. Man, David Cook is a guy who – we have seen um, just grow so much over the years. You know, I've told the story uh, to a few people over the years, but I think back um, to his freshman year, um, we were playing the sectional. Uh, Friday night, we're playing our second game that year in the sectional. We're playing South Central in the semifinal, and we're able to knock them off, but uh, one of our starters goes down. He tears his ACL, you know, right before halftime. So after the game, we end up finding just how, you know, severe of an injury it was. He's going to miss the next game, which was obviously a sectional championship. So at that point, uh, David was a freshman. So that, that next night, David Cook, as a freshman, hadn't gotten a ton of time his freshman year. He had some spots, but, you know, he's thrown to the fire. Sectional championship game against Borden at Borden and does a lot of good things that night as we come up just short of a, a sectional that year and ever since then um whether it's his sophomore year stepping into that you know score leadership role or to now um when everyone knows he's kind of a go-to guy he i can't say enough about that young man and um it 
he he has really put in the work. You know, you mentioned his leadership. That's something that I don't know you can coach, and he has that natural ability. That competitor in him always comes out, and he just really wants it uh, for his teammates too, which what really makes him special. And I think of last night, there was a stretch. I've been fortunate enough to be at Christian Academy coaching 11 years. Uh, it's my fourth year as the head coach, but we've had a lot of good players who have made a lot of good plays in big-time moments. But David had a stretch late um, in the second half where it was honestly some of the best basketball uh, I've seen from a Christian Academy player. He, he truly took over that game and put us on his back and, and put us in a position to head into overtime and ultimately get a big-time win. So I can't say enough yeah. about that young man. I thought there was a stretch where Renfro and Cook, with support from your other guys, um, yeah. and then Dager and Hoffman, uh, just an outstanding back and forth and big baskets and big shots, and uh, Hoffman with some nice finishes down low. Dager, obviously, a tremendous shooter for Silver Creek. So just a very good game, the way things played out last night. We talked about Cook. Obviously, we talked about Josh Chancey and his big three-pointer. Joshua Renfro, someone we had on the show a few weeks ago, someone that you talk about a lot when we have you because he's had an outstanding high school career. He's in his junior year, and I think about a month ago it was, he already has surpassed, and he's well past that number now, a 1,000 career points. He can really fill it up. Oh, man, I mean, where do you start with that young man? Um, he, he is just an absolute pleasure to coach. Obviously, everyone sees what he does on the floor, um, but just the young man he is and um, what what he does for us, obviously, again, on the floor, but he, he's just a great presence to have in the locker room as a leader. And, man, I could go on about that young man um, for, for forever. He, he he makes coaching a lot easier. I know that. Uh, he, he, he makes us look like a good coaching staff a lot of times, but that's credit to him and the plays he's able to make and the positions he's able to put himself and his teammates in. And he, He's special, but, again, it's one of those things people look at him and see how special he is, but I mean, the amount of hours and, I mean, he, he's put in on his game is countless. Um, so he, the, the fruits of his labor uh, pay off on a night like last night, and it just makes you so happy for him. Hayden Casey, coach of Christian Academy, his team 11-1 and on the season with some big games coming up here later in the month of January. Coach, congratulations to you and your team. Uh, so happy that I made the decision late to come and watch the second half. Nothing better than some great Tuesday night high school basketball with a last-second shot uh, and the fans into it both ways. Uh, really enjoyed it last night. Well, I was just glad the boys came through because that was the message late when I saw you in the gym, Matt, that we cannot win this game with Matt Dennis in the building, fellas. So I'm glad they were able to pull it out. Uh, but, yeah, it was a special one. So. I love it. Coach Casey, thanks for coming on. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, Matt. All right, Hayden Casey from Christian Academy starting us today. Yeah, the chance by or the shot by Josh Chancey, just amazing. I think it touched the rim three times before it dropped in, and uh, just a crazy finish to the game. For Silver Creek, I mentioned Casey Dager. He's outstanding, 17 points. Really thought Walker Hoffman, Coach Brandon Hoffman's son, has really come a long way in the interior. He was very uh, strong last night, very into the game. Last night had some major, major buckets late. He had 16 points. Uh, those two guys were really good for Silver Creek. I've said this before, but Brandon Hunter, just a freshman, son of Perry Hunter, a longtime coach here in Southern Indiana, he just had six points last night, but he logs a lot of minutes as a freshman. He's really carved out a serious role for the Silver Creek team. He's going to be somebody here in the area to watch as he moves 
moves through his high school career. One other thing here in this opening segment before we switch back into IU and get to other guests here, we have scheduled the rest of the way. I want to talk about the 1A sectional. 61, it's at Borden. I think it's one of my favorites. Uh, Borden is a great host. It's a great gym. Uh, right now, Christian Academy is the favorite in that sectional. They are 11-1 and one overall. South Central is 8-3. and three. They are good. They're a contender. Borden is 9-4 and four under Doc Nash, who was in the gym scouting last night, one of the best we've had here in southern Indiana. Those three teams, uh, all capable of winning that thing. That Borden sectional is going to be crowded. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're less than two months away we're we're getting closer and closer uh, with each weekend of high school hoops that we get through then you've got rock creek they're six and seven but they've got talent you can never count them out west washington always strong they're four and six this year but uh, really it's a competitive field from top to bottom a lot of rivals in that sectional uh, that's going to be a very fun place to be when we get to the last week of february into that first weekend in march that's for sure a lot of great coaches in that sectional as well that's one of the special ones here in the area a uh, couple of text on the thornton's text line i want to get to real quick uh this is probably the one i agree with the most texter says i think cj gunn can help iu moving forward but that is the only good thing i see right now obviously malik renew at times is really good kellel ware has had a great season um tons of issues with the guard play and shooting but I do think C.J. Gunn has emerged as somebody that can help this Indiana team moving forward. Kind of interested to see what his develop is, development is the rest of the way. Uh, IU basket, Reading some other text here from the Thornton's text line. IU basketball frustration. Free throw shooting is atrocious. The lack of ball movement is poor. And rebounding effort is sloppy. This team lacks energy and basketball IQ. Another texter says, I think the Hoosiers gave a road win away. 26% from the free throw line. Elementary school teams pull a better percentage. Uh, my opinion, I don't think basketball is the number one priority of these guys. And misbehavior that has went on with Xavier running, well, I'm not going to get into all that. But yes, there are some concerns there with Xavier Johnson, texter. I agree with you totally. And there have been some off-the-court concerns. Remember Mbako before the season, and obviously Xavier Johnson as well, so definitely concerns. But uh, love to get your text. We'll read all of them on the air that we can. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Uh, always open for IU discussion, football, basketball, local sports, whatever it may be. We'll head to a commercial break. More text coming up. Also, we'll be joined by Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. T-A-G. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Wednesday show. We'll get to Dustin Dopirak from the Indianapolis Star here in just a moment. But 
More text from the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, 502-414-1450. Texter says, just another gutless effort on the road. 4 of 15 from the free throw line for 27%. Mentally weak, low IQ basketball. Uh, the exact opposite is true for the IU women. Let's support the effort and the IQ they bring every game. I believe the women have a game tonight. Uh, they are really fun to watch, but thank you for the text. Also, Texter says Xavier has a lot of talent, but he wants to do everything to save us, and he gets out of control. That's not the only problem, obviously, but each player needs to dig down deep and play defense and rebound. Thank you, Texter, for the text. Here's a good one. Got to watch last night's game with my 90-year-old grandma, who multiple times shared that she thought she could make more free throws than IU did last night. <laughs> that is outstanding. Thanks for the text. Also, uh, Texter continues, for those frustrated with the men's team, please don't forget about our women's team who plays tonight and continue, continues to move up in the rankings. The women getting a couple shout-outs here on the Thornton's text line. That is outstanding. Um, another text, uh, how can a team with our size give up 19 offensive rebounds and get beat on the boards overall 50-41? to 41? And uh, C.J. is score- CJ Gunn is scoring more points, but he also needs to rebound more. He had one last night and get some assist. He had zero last night, so uh, good comments there on C.J. Gunn. But I'm still intrigued by him. I definitely am. I think he is somebody to watch here over the next few games. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star with us now to help break down last night's game and talk IU basketball stuff with us as he does every Wednesday. And Dustin, I'll let you kind of take it to start, but man, Indiana with so many issues last night and a very bad loss on the road to Rutgers. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to be honest on that. I didn't get a chance to watch it last night, but I'm looking at this box for him. Oh, my God. <laughs> 4 of 15 at the line is just absurd. I mean, that's just, that, that is just totally crazy. I mean, obviously, part of that is, is you're getting bigs at the, fa- at the foul line. Sometimes you're going to miss those. But, uh, you know, 4 of 15 is just is inexcusable. Oh, there's not a lot of guard free throws in that, in that list. Uh, you know, obviously, that's, that's the part of it. I think Trey Gallagher gets to the line once. Uh, and that's the entirety of it. And you, you know, first you, your guards have to get to the line on the road. Uh, you know, you've got to put pressure on the room and, and get fouled. Um, and so obviously not seeing a lot of that, uh, on this box score. It's mostly the bigs that are getting fouled, but all the same, you know, the big cats do better and, you know, guards have to find a way to get to the free throw line. You know, 51 to 40 on the boards is brutal. Um, and, you know, you're still seven of 26 for three. You're still dealing with that issue. You know, uh, brutal night for Xavier Johnson. I mean, that, that's just, you, you can't have a much worse line as a point guard. 23 minutes, one of four from the field, five turnovers to two assists. Uh, that's not going to get done, especially with Trey Galloway, 4 of 13. I mean, there's really nothing good about this box score for, uh, IU at all. And it's kind of been that way, you know, when they, when they go to Rutgers. I mean, they have problems and it's very much a rock fight over there. You know, Rutgers didn't exactly shoot well themselves. Um, but, you know, they're just, they're just a, a gritty, tough team to beat. It's especially difficult to do it out there. Um, and they're just seemingly not built for that kind of win right now. All right, Dustin, I, I know you said you didn't watch, but Xavier Johnson. Uh, what is going on with the the senior, the experienced guy in college basketball? This guy has had some injuries. He's had, I'm sure, some miserable moments sitting out, waiting to get healthy, waiting to get cleared, making sure he keeps himself in game shape, ready to go. And after some positive things, I thought, against Nebraska, or Ohio State, rather, um, last night, 
a, a terrible game as far as production from Xavier Johnson. Then he gets a flagrant two and gets booted from the game. Not what you expect at this point from a guy with his experience in Division One college basketball and not what you would expect from the de facto leader of this team. Not at all. I mean, I think, you know, I'm sure a big part of it is trying to be that guy. Um, you know, and, and I think that can get um, get into his own head a little bit, uh, you know, that way. I mean, he's, he's a guy that wants to be really good. He's always wanted to be really good, and, and he's run into just – a whole lot of roadblocks uh, along the way in his college career from his time in Pitt on. I mean, some of those are self-inflicted, um, but all the same. I mean, it's just been a struggle, and he's had stretches where, where things have gone really well, and, and when it's not going well, he forces it. You know, he, he tends to push uh, and tends to look for things that aren't there and, and try to, you know, you know, um, either do things he can't or, or force, you know, action, and, and, you know, getting a flagrant two is, I think, a sign of a guy getting frustrated. Uh, you know, five turnovers is a sign of a guy getting frustrated, sort of hoping that he was going to come back um, and be the same guy that he was before the injury and, and just be able to just, you know, walk right back into being his, at his same form. Um, and he's susceptible to, you know, to not to, I, again, just, just trying to force action, trying to do too much. Um, and I think that's a case of that. And obviously he's got to find a way to settle in. And it's, it's, you know, not as easy with this group because he is the most experienced guy, and, and there's not too many guys you can look for uh, look to other than Trey Galloway to kind of uh, carry himself out of things. He, I think he probably holds himself to that standard of, of trying to be the guy who lifts everybody up, and when it's not working, he tends to get frustrated on that, and things go the other way. Dustin Dopierak, the Indianapolis star, we're talking IU basketball, the road loss at Rutgers last night. I know it's just now getting in back into conference play, and uh, this stuff, stuff goes so quick, though, once it finally gets back here in January. Um, Indiana, with what's ahead, and I know the Big Ten has been up and down this year, kind of unsure about some things in the conference, but it's crazy in some ways to talk about it, but everybody is, so we're going to do it here on this show as well. The, the net rankings, Indiana up to 103rd in the net rankings, which are the big um, uh, scoring factor. I'm, the old RPI, I'm not sure exactly how to describe it, but the metrics, maybe that's the way to say it, that the NCAA really uses to help seed out the, the bracket for March Madness. Uh, not good where they're at right now, and with some of these losses uh, this far out from the end of the conference season, Indiana still kind of putting themselves in an early corner here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if you're starting at 103, um, you know, obviously things these are a little fluid, but at this point they're not that as fluid. Now that you're starting to get into conference play, uh, you know, there is less and less chance to move up. Um, so you need some wins. I mean, I think I'm looking at it now. I mean, they're 0 and 4 in quad one, uh, 2 and 1 in quad two, you know, not, fortunately 9 and 0 in quad three and four. And that makes a difference when you don't have bad losses on there. Uh, but you gotta beat somebody good if you're gonna make your case. I mean, that, that's really the biggest issue. And obviously the Big Ten, um, isn't as strong as, as it's been in certain years as far as the net ranking. So if they go out and beat Minnesota, uh, next on Friday, Minnesota's 86. I mean, that, that's not moving you too much up, up the, you know, up the rankings there. That's, that's not moving the needle too much for you. Um, there are obviously other, other options. Certainly they've got Purdue coming up after that. Um, you know, the Ohio State win can, I think, become, um, it's conceivable that if Ohio State does really well, it can become a problem. One win, they're 39th right now. Uh, you know, again, Purdue would, would do a whole lot for you because those guys are third at the moment. If you can manage to swing that game, you've got Illinois. Um, you know, the, the, later down the road, you know, I think, um, have they played Wisconsin yet? Yeah, I think, you know, basically there are opportunities, uh, that they're going to have to bolster, um, you know, bolster their, 
Yeah, they got Wisconsin after that. So next Friday they've got Wisconsin. So Purdue and Wisconsin are, are two good opportunities to dramatically uh, help you. But I mean, if they're going to play like they did last night, those aren't games they're going to win. Um, so they they've got to grab some. They've got to have some nights uh, on the road. So yeah, it's Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois at the road. Those three good opportunities um, to get quad one wins. Um, but they got to show up, and you know, two of those are on the road. Um, and you know, again, if if, if they're going to play like they did on the road last night, they're not beating anybody. Um, so they've got to find a way to get these games. If they don't, they can really, like you said, put themselves in the hole. And if, if they're, you know, if their net ranking is that low, I mean, if it's, if it's well below 50, uh, then, you know, even if you've won 18, 19, 20 games, you're, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Indianapolis Star, I do want to bring up something with Coach Woodson. Um, he's had a history of, I guess it's fair to call them NBA-style substitutions. You might be able to comment on that because of covering the Pacers for the star. But last night he made some major substitutions with about 10 minutes or so left in the first half. I think Indiana was up by seven or eight points at that juncture. And uh, shortly after the substitutions, by the end of the first half, uh, Rutgers, I think, went on a great scoring run to reclaim the lead there. Uh, Your thoughts on that type of substitution pattern at the local or at the college level, I should say. I know Coach Woodson was asked about it last night in the post-game presser and, you know, said he wasn't going to talk about fans' concerns or media concerns with his substitution patterns. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he said he believed in the subs and so forth. But is that something that generally fits or has worked in college basketball when you've got, I don't want to call it platoons, but multiple subs coming in all together at the same time? Well, it all depends on who the subs are. I mean, that's, that's really what it is at the end of the day. I mean, it like, you know, what's the, what's the benefit? Okay. I mean, the, the benefit is obviously you get to keep guys fresh. You, you, you get a group that a second uh, group that works, a bench group that works as a unit that, that those guys kind of create a, you know, chemistry and practice and whatnot, and they can play together and be successful. And, you know, if, if, if you have that, if, if, if you have it put together that you have a really good second unit, um, that's really valuable. It's obviously valuable at the NBA level because you're playing 48 minutes, you're playing 82 games. Um, you know, you're, you're really trying to find rest for guys. I mean, honestly, Rick Carlisle has done less kind of full-scale hockey substitute type, type of stuff uh, this year than he did last year. I mean, last year they had a lot more set uh, of a set second unit than they do this year. It's been really fluid as far as starting lineup is concerned with the Pacers. Um, so they've done a lot more keeping guys in. And he said at the beginning of the year, I'm, I'm not going to keep ten, you know, have ten guys in the rotation just to have ten guys in the rotation. But I mean, I've seen it work at the college level. One time I really remember it working. Actually, was that George Mason team that went to the Final Four? Um, they had, uh, I think they had a green team and a gold team, and they had a really good second unit, and they did a lot of run and jump defense. Um, so a lot of trapping, especially at the half court. And I remember when I covered James Madison, they did a really good job of breaking those guys down. I, I, if I really dug back in my head, I could remember the names. I mean, I think I don't think it was the Final Four team. It was probably the year before, um, the two years before. And a lot of those guys who became stars on the Final Four team were part of that second unit, like Will Thomas and some of those guys. Um, that's really digging back for me. But, uh, but I mean, it can work. I mean, but you know, one, you you probably want. To be in a scenario where hey, you have a lot of experienced guys, you know, you might be able to get that at the mid-major level, uh, like Mason did, because you're not having a lot of guys jump for the NBA, and, and you know, obviously this is pre-portal uh, era where you certainly had transfers, but you had to sit out, um, and so you didn't have nearly as much free-flowing guys, and you had you know juniors and seniors that, that that could still be guys coming off the bench. So, I mean, obviously, with when you're looking at Indiana, you're looking at a team that's got, you know, it's it's you know that that immediate group, you know, as I'm looking at, you know, obviously a freshman Gabe Cups, sophomore Caleb Banks. 
you know, first year transfers and Anthony Walker and Peyton Sparks. Um, so when you're bringing those guys in, you, you know, it's not a group that has that kind of chemistry and cohesiveness. So it might not be um, what you're looking for. It, it's just, I, I, I get the reasoning. I get the value um, of it, but it's just, it, it, it has to be a force. It's all about personnel. I mean, you can't just pick any five guys, uh, you know, off off the street and put them out there and have a second unit, and and that group's going to be effective. It's, I mean, you have to make that group effective. You know, also there's something to be said about practice development and all that kind of thing, and and, and making it so your second unit is that good. You know, there's a value, but if, if you're putting guys out there that aren't ready, that just aren't good enough, and having them all on the floor at the same time, um, you can have an issue. I, it's like I, I don't, I don't. Uh, I don't oppose the philosophy. I don't think the philosophy is stupid. Uh, and again, it works at the NBA for a reason. It's just a question of knowing who your personnel is. Can you have those five guys out there together at the same time? And can they do anything for you? If the answer is no, you can't do it. You know, you got to find a way to stagger those subs. Um, and so that you're not having five guys that either can't score, can't defend, or can't whatever uh, at, at, at one time because you could fall apart. I mean, you, you don't want guys out there that just can't do the job together as a unit. That doesn't mean they're all five bad basketball players, but you have to have. You know, whoever you've got out there, you've got to have some, you know, some guys who can put the ball in the bucket, some guys who can shoot, some guys who can defend. Um, you know, that's, I think, what the big piece is, is that I, I think, you know, in previous years, um, you know, when he did more of that, I think it was probably more justified. Um, I, I think maybe with this group, I don't know if you're getting as much punch out of that, you know, what is becoming a second unit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it makes as much sense. Again, I don't think it's a dumb philosophy in general. I, I don't think it makes no sense at all. It's just, you have to make sure the guy, the five guys you're putting out there are good enough to be productive as a group. Dustin Dopierak, the Indianapolis star, with us. Uh, texter on the Thornton's text line says, do you guys think Woodson is capable of getting Indiana back to deep runs in the NCAA tournament, or is a different coach needed down the road? I personally think it's way too early to get into the coaching stuff yeah. with Mike Woodson. There have been some real positives in his tenure, uh, recruiting especially. Some things on the court, just simply getting Indiana back to the NCAA tournament. But obviously, things aren't going as smoothly as fans would hope, and I'm not sure that that would ever be the case. But what is your early read on Mike Woodson as Indiana's head coach as far as is he the guy for the job, and do you think he has a long tenure ahead of him at his alma mater? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, it's way too early. And I think, I don't, I don't want to say even way too early. I mean, my view of this is just basically like coaches get themselves fired, you know, over time. I mean, you, 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 you kind of have to play out the course and say, all right, like you get this contract and you get this much time to get it together. And if it's not together by X date, then we look to go in a different direction. But you have all that time. Uh, to get it going, and, all, and you extend your, you know, sort of welcome if you have success early, and, and he's had success early, and so he's in a position where, all right, like this year, you know, might turn out to be a negative, um, you know, on his on his resume and whatnot, and then you can kind of look at that and say, okay, well, you know, you, you had some talented guys on this group, and it didn't go as far as it, as, as you would have wanted to, so all right, this is this is kind of a mark against you long term but i think you know getting into the tournament your first two years i think goes a long way you know putting some guys in the nba goes a long way um you know being able to get some recruiting wins goes a long way so i mean you're, you're not nearly in the case that you're starting to kind of look at the bad side of the ledger and say there's enough there uh to reasonably make a change because if you're going to make i mean like again you have to consider what you're whatever it is that you're doing and how it plays nationally because you've got to be able if you're going to fire somebody it's got to be justified enough that somebody else wants to come coach for you you know, that's, I think, simple enough is that you could look at Archie Miller's record after how many years and say, look, it wasn't going anywhere and be able to point that out to everybody else and say, like, 
you're not going to get a quick hook if you come here. It's not a graveyard of coaches. You have it. You're going to get a chance. It's just you got a chance and it wasn't going in the direction you needed to go. Tom Crean, similar situation. You know, obviously he had a lot of success, but it was like, okay, you could point and say this wasn't going anywhere. You're not going to say, okay, like it's not a sword in the stone kind of thing where it's like if the guy can't pull it out uh, at a certain point, you're like, well, you've got to just, you know, pull the ripcord as fast as you possibly can. That just doesn't look good for you as far as hiring your next coach. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I think there are you know there are fair criticisms to make. I mean, there are, there are things he's proven and things that he hasn't proven. I, I think uh, you know so far. I mean, I think you can look at uh, you know I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure people that are more uh, versed in you know game coaching can, can point out specific things that they don't like about what he's done or hasn't done. Um, but you know, if this group misses the tournament. You know, it's it's not going to look good for him overall because there's some talented players in this team: Renew, Baco, and Ware, and, and you know even Johnson and Galloway. You, you've got. Uh, five pretty talented starters, and if that group's not good enough to get in the tournament, then you look and say, okay, well, that's, you know, reason to question. I, I, I think you, um, you know, I, I've seen some really good coaching jobs by him on an individual level, you know, certainly just the first two years getting into the tournament, uh, being able to, to get them up out of some doldrums and out of some situations where they were struggling, certainly won some big games, beat Purdue, uh, you know, and, you know, put, you know, I, I think last year, you know, just, you know, helped win them a bunch of important games. Uh, at some important times. So, you know, I mean, uh, I, I don't think you're looking for the first sign to change course. I mean, I think he has to look at some signs to change course as far as, you know, a roster to, you know, building and whatnot. I mean, I, I, I think that he probably does need to, you know, uh, submit to the three point shot and realize that, um, it's too big of a part of the game to not just, you know, really focus on making sure you've got some shooters. I think as far as recruiting is concerned, he's done a great job of getting the top of the line five star, four star guys. Um, but it's it's building pieces around them that I think is important. I thought, you know, I, I've mentioned this before that I thought that would be probably the bigger struggle um, than convincing guys that are NBA caliber to come play for them. It's uh, then understanding what you need after that. I think that's been maybe a bigger struggle is is realizing, okay, like what do you really need when it comes to role players? What do they, they have to look like? He's easily been able to convince guys and say, hey, you're an NBA caliber guy. I can get you there. Uh, that message is absolutely translated and i think you probably had to see that coming i think people were weirded out about the well can a can an nba guy recruit um but he always had the built-in message of saying i've been there i can get you there you know if you come play for me and and jalen Chafino is is a just great uh example for him to be able to say look like you know this guy came for me was a top 20 pick you know right out of the gate i only had him for one year look how much better he got uh and that's a point guard and i take point play you know coaching point guard seriously so this is example you know 1a of, of what i can do for you in a year um but it, it, it's again he's got a it, it's a a big part of this is still about uh, getting guys that aren't going to be NBA players, you know, that, that might be, you know, European professionals or G League guys or whatever, but guys that are not necessarily uh, going to make the NBA and, you know, making them really key pieces for you and making them contributors um, and knowing exactly what you have to have to start with to be that kind of player, some of which is outside shooting. And so I think that's, a, that's, that is still, I think the, the big struggle for him is, you know, not just getting talent, you know, superstars that you could, make the central building blocks it's getting the pieces around them uh that uh that make a whole system work i mean he, he wanted to be a guy to play four out one in um and you know you can't do that if you can't shoot and so that's i think a, a, an issue that he has to address going forward a lot of good stuff right there from dustin dopirak of the indianapolis star we're up against the hard break about 20 seconds what's the latest with tyrese halliburton scary moment there uh, earlier this week or over the weekend for the pacers 
Yeah, grade one hamstring strain, yeah, Monday night. Um, and so, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Certainly slipped and did a big split there. And I think you had to be worried that he was going to tear something. And obviously a strain, a sprain is a tear on some level. It's a partial tear. Um, all of them are, but, uh, you know, it is mostly intact, and that's a big deal. So, I mean, he's going to miss uh, at least two weeks, which means the upcoming, uh, you know, Western road trip, uh, he's going to be out for entirely. And that's key. I mean, there's, you're talking uh, seven games in about 12 days. Um, and so that's that's tough, but uh, all the same, it's certainly better than you know season ending. And I think this is this has been a big year for him. And uh, you know certainly, uh, if if you're the Pacers, if you're him, you know you got the home All Star game coming up. He was leading Eastern Conference guards. Uh, you know that would have been really sad if he was going to have a, a season ending injury there. So really big that uh, that that it's going to be about you know at least two weeks. Imagine it'll probably carry on a little bit longer than that, but you know not some season ending a, ham- a grade one hamstring strain that he can come back from. All right, Dustin Dopierak, great stuff today. Dustin, thank you. Talk next week. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. To a commercial break we go. Don't forget uh, Floyd Central, Jeffersonville, Friday on 970 WGTK, one of our sister stations, and then Jeff Providence on Saturday night right here on the Big X. We're back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back. Quick segment with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Josh, we had Coach Casey on a little earlier in the show and got to hear all about that amazing finish last night for the Warriors and their overtime win over Silver Creek. And now my attention has already turned to the weekend. Jeff Floyd, rivalry game on Friday. Jeff Providence, rivalry game on Saturday Really interested in Jeff Providence. Not sure what Jeff Floyd will be like. The Highlanders have sure been up and down so far this season. What do you make, and how do you preview both of those games? Yeah, it's it's going to be a huge weekend for high school hoops, especially on Friday night. I think there's a ton of ton of great games on Friday night. But yeah, those are those are two of the best games to watch uh, this weekend. Uh, obviously, uh, you know Jeff. Uh, I think Jeff's the pick over Floyd in that game. You know, Floyd's been coming along here in uh, in recent weeks. Uh, I think they had won four or five before the, the two point loss to Corden the other night. So uh, it looks like Fonto's Fonto's doing a good job there, turning things around. But uh, you know, Jeff Jeff played played good. Uh, I don't know if it was great, but they played good against New Albany the other night, got the win. So you know, I think they. Uh, that's a big Hoosier Hills conference game for them. Uh, they can stay, you know, stay in the hunt with a, a, with a win there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they ran the table the rest of the way in the HHC and um, at least tied for the title. We'll see how that plays out, but, uh, you know, that, that'll be a good game. And then, yeah, the Providence-Jeff game on Saturday night should be very, very interesting. Providence has, has won three in a row in that series, which I don't know if that's ever taken place, uh, so that that'll be uh, you know Jeff will definitely be looking for uh, revenge for the last couple 
last few losses. Uh, so, you know, I think that'll be a very tough, uh, tough, tough physical game. Uh, you know, like like any game that Providence plays in, uh, I'll say the first one to forty wins. So I don't I don't know who that's going to be, but uh, you know, that's that's usually a pretty good uh, pretty good pretty good idea of uh, what kind of game we're going to see. So I think it'll be uh, physical and uh, probably low scoring unless unless Jeff can uh, dictate the tempo, which is going to be hard. But, uh, you know, you never know what could happen. You know, Jeff, last week, a big win over rival New Albany. They go to Brownstown the next night and take a loss. Providence, on the other hand, they had a big week last week. They beat rival Southwestern from the sectional. They beat town rival Clarksville in the town championship and then took on a really good cathedral team that Jeff had lost to by 10 earlier in the year. And uh, Providence was really manhandled in many ways by cathedral. So um, I see this thing Saturday night setting up for a kind of a clash of two different styles, um, a lot like Jeff Cathedral, although, or, excuse me, a lot like uh, Cathedral Providence, although I think this one will be much more of a, a close battle and I could really see um, either side coming out with the victory. But I do think Providence Jeff has a chance to be really good Saturday night. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, you, you hope as, as a fan that, that, uh, that it plays out like the uh, Silver Creek uh, Christian Academy game last night, but. Uh, you know, you wish every game came down to a last-second shot in overtime, but uh, you know, not everyone does. But uh, again, like you said, you talked to Coach Casey earlier. But uh, just a, just a great game last night, and congrats to to him and the Warriors on the win. Uh, you know, two two really good two really good ranked teams as far as that goes. Uh, you know, we hope to make some make some noise this postseason. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. He's with us Wednesdays. Josh, sorry for the short segment, but we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks for your work. No problem at all. Thanks, Matt. Have a great day. All right. Josh is with us Wednesdays. You can read his work at newsandtribune.com slash sports. Of course, the daily print edition of the newspaper as well. Uh, with everything that is going on and everything we're trying to keep up with in a one-hour show, uh, Purdue takes a loss to Nebraska last night. Maybe Indiana fans can feel a little bit better about that road loss at Nebraska last week, but uh, a big loss for Purdue. That really caught me by surprise uh, last night. Didn't see that one coming. Of course, crazy night in college basketball. There were a, a lot of upsets, or at least a good handful of them, against some of the top-ranked teams, including Houston as well. Have a great Wednesday. Back with you tomorrow for our Thursday program. Alex Bozich inside the hall will join along with other guests, and we'll talk then here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Mm-hmm.